so many um, kind of like a stay in your place type of dynamic with a lot of the leaders that I've encountered. It's kind of like I'm established in this field. You're new to it. So you can't you can't possibly have anything of value to add to me. And so I think just going throughout life is kind of like um, when I do because I'm not the type where if I have something to say, like I'm going to say or I'm going to ask the questions that I feel necessary for me to learn. Um, so you just get put in this label in this box. It's like, okay, she's rude. Um, she doesn't respect authority. Uh, she doesn't have like respect. And then like also just like, oh, I'm being super naive, thinking I know everything. And that's never the case. It's kind of just being misunderstood and labeled for like just kind of opening um, or just approaching spaces where like I didn't just genuinely want to learn. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Leader Set Trends podcast with yours truly, Aisha Thomas. And I'm really excited about today's episode because I have brought you all a special guest, Ania Chanel. She is a Gen Zer doing some amazing things. And I thought it was important that we talk about leadership and the future because Gen Zers are the future of leadership. They're the ones that are going to be running companies and businesses. They are your future consumers. And we need to get into the minds and have conversations with individuals that are different, that are from different generations. And the beautiful thing that you're about to see happen is you see a leader from one generation, a leader from another generation talking and discussing and starting to understand each other's perspective which is so beneficial in how we lead, grow, and develop and how it's going to expand our worldview so we can lead effectively, all right? So get your notepads, your note-taking materials, and let's get into this message. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? I'm really excited today because I have a special guest here today on Leader Set Trends podcast. Um, I'm honored because like I, if anybody that has been following this podcast that has been listening to it, one of the things that I've been wanting to do is have this conversation with um, like minds and other leaders from different generations, from different backgrounds, because I believe as a leader, um, I call, remember guys, I call myself an elder millennial, right? Because <laughs> I'm right at the cusp. But um, I think it's important that we do have conversations with other individuals from different backgrounds, because A, that helps us build empathy. It allows us to hear different stories. It allows us to just expand our worldview as leaders, as individuals, which will really convey when we go into these leadership roles. So I come in as someone that is still growing as a leader. Again, leaders are learners. Um, and also, this is an example of how um, other leaders out there that are like, listen, how do I work on um, my diversity? How do I work on building more empathy? How do I work on just opening myself up to learning more? And it's just literally in conversation. So I'm really excited to have Miss Ania Chanel here today. So let me tell you a little bit about her and how me and her were able to connect. Um, so um, Ania, she creates content, verbal, oral, and vis visual through the brand Seven Cs, all right, which empowers individuals to embrace their differences while enlightening the majority to promote inclusivity. I love that. You guys know I'm all about inclusivity. Um, it, it was established back in 2018 as a personal mantra and have since uh, created several subdiciaries. So I love, I love, I love that. So I'm so honored to have you here. Hey, Ania. I'm going to hey. call her E moving forward. You know, we have nicknames. So how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So honored that you were here. I really am. Um, so it's so interesting, right? Because the way I have been able to meet this amazing young woman, right? Um, this leader, this fearless leader is through a personal development community that I'm a part of. As anyone who listens to this podcast know that I'm all about growth development, intrinsic development. And although, right, I have been a leader that has moved up different tiers, I am again, leader is a learner. And I'm in a personal development community and look at me connecting to someone that is in their younger 20s. And I'll tell you why I'm highlighting that, because this conversation is really about bridging that intergenerational gap that we see in organizations, companies and institutions and showing how 
even myself as a millennial, I can learn from a Gen Zer and how someone that is a baby boomer can learn from a millennial and so on and so on. And we really need to bridge that gap because again, if you're a CEO listening, a leader of a department, we really need to start understanding the differences and the um, hear the stories from um, individuals from different backgrounds, because again, it's really going to help us in so many different ways as we lead and support individuals from different backgrounds. So again, honored to be here, but again, personal development community. So we're all in there to grow. We have individuals there from, again, early 20s, all the way up to, you know, 60s and 70s, all seeking growth and development. And we have these awesome conversations and we'll talk about different topics. And I found myself in the chat and me and Anir in there, just like going back and forth, but in a healthy way, because we're having this conversation and we're just really learning from each other. She's responding. And I'm just like, hmm, I didn't think about that. Do, 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 do. I'll say something. And she's like, you know what? Good point. I didn't think of that. Do, 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 do. And we're like going back and we're literally learning and having a dialogue. And before we started recording, I said, this is why this is so important that we have this because I get this question asked all the time when I go to support companies and institutions, how do I connect with other generations? Or I don't get those millennials. I don't get those Gen Zers. And how do I, I mean, I don't get it. And again, it's just in conversation and really understanding their needs and allowing them, yes, and I won't say allowing them because they have all um, voices, but there are some entities that will stifle their voices and they need to be heard because as I mentioned, they're your future leaders, there are your future customers and clients, and if you don't start to understand them now, just consider that your business, right, you're going to be limited to who you connect with because they're the future customers, clients that you will support. So again, I'm honored that you're here. I'm honored to have been connected with you um, to expand this conversation and be the examples of how individuals and leaders from different generations can connect, learn, grow from one another so we can be on this mission to support one another. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored. <laughs> Yay. All right. So let's kick it off with some questions first, right? Let's, let's hit it off with some questions. So the first question is when you think about a leader, what comes to mind? And again, leaders that are listening, pay attention because you're hearing the voice of the future that's going to lead your organizations, your companies, your institutions to success. So please pay attention and have your notepads ready. But again, when you think of a leader in you, what comes to mind? Okay, so um, when I think of a leader for me, I think um, someone who's in charge or or managing um, a group of people, more so someone who is responsible for, say, like uh, their performance, their development, or something along that space, someone who, yeah, basically that. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. Um, next question. Uh, what was your first leadership opportunity and how did you do? And I'll share mine real quick. I always share this story of, uh, when I first joined the uh, United States Air Force, huh? uh, I didn't join thinking that I was going to be a leader. That was not on my mind. I just thought benefits. I thought, you know, opportunity. I didn't think leader. And here I am in our uh, formation, in our day room. And there's a day room is like an area where we would have what you would maybe consider like a meeting area. And I get called up and they're telling me that I'm going to be what they call a, like an element leader. So I'm going to be responsible for all of the girls, the other young women in, you know, in this section. And I'm like, what? And, no, right. Cause I've never had been in a leadership role before in a role, right. Because I like to define leadership as influence. So we're all leaders, but then there's the role of a leader where you're now saying, Hey, I am applying for this role. I am going to take on this responsibility. So that's that other aspect, right? It switches to that role that hat is put on when you have said, hey, I'm going to take all the responsibility or sometimes you're volunteered like I was. I was told I was going to take on this responsibility. So here I am. I'm like, I don't like this. And at one point, the way I was leading, I was leading by doing for my team versus teaching and developing. So here I am, instead of saying, this is how you work this. And because we had to like have our bed fixed a certain way, um, our day, our wall lockers had to look a certain way because it got inspected. So at nighttime, when everyone sleep or I wake up early in the morning, I'm there fixing stuff because we get inspected. I don't want to get in trouble, but over time with all the things we had to do, I got, Oh, I got tired and I started to slack off. 
But what Aisha should have been doing was developing those other women and saying, oh, I noticed that your bed, your your hospital corner is let me show you how to make an effective hospital corner. And I used to make some hospital corners, honey, like great. Uh, <laughs> um, it, hey, the way you folded this, let's work on this or the way you are marching, let's work on this. But I thought I just I just was afraid of conflict. I just had all these fears, so I did not address it effectively, and I got fired. <laughs> I got fired because I couldn't keep up on supporting nine other women that I should have been developing. So I had to watch someone else get put in my position and lead them effectively. She made it all the way through. No one else got fired, but I learned a very valuable lesson at that point, and thank God I've been able to have opportunities to lead following that, but that was my first leadership opportunity. I didn't do that well, but and then thank you, Lord, I've been able to um, improve since then. So what was your first leadership opportunity? Okay, so my first leadership opportunity was uh, a liturgical like dance group um, when I was in college. So I joined the group freshman year, and I just was kind of like, I'm very introverted, so I was just kind of playing the background. I like to dance, but like I didn't really, you know, interact or talk with any of the members and stuff. And so then um, my second year, usually a senior leads it, um, and so like my second year, um, I'm still a part of the team, but we started to have some like issues, and so just out of nowhere, like, I just have a thing for, like, if there's, like, injustice or something like that involved, like, that's when you'll really hear me speak up, or if there's, so I just started, like, you know, using my voice in that role, not thinking much of it, and then the year after that, I was asked to lead, and so it was very, like, frightening, because it's, like, I'm not the best dancer here, like, I'm not even capable of, like, making up these dances and things, and now, like, I'm not even the most social one here. So now I'm responsible for them and the performances. And it was just a weird adjustment that I had to make. So how were you like, how was your adjustment period when you first like, how, what was that first, I don't know, maybe that first month or that first, you know, few uh, sessions were being in that leadership role? Um, so the first couple, it was a little bit like maybe first um, month or two, I was kind of like being, um, let's say a peer um so just kind of just being the fun kind of like okay like let's come to practice and um you have an input you have an input like let's just talk this out and be very open about it um but then like we know we have performances and stuff coming up and there's different deadlines and I'm like realizing okay I can't make up the dances so um maybe after the second month when it was like okay now we have um there's like a reputation or, or whatever that the dance group had and I didn't want to be the one to like let it just like go away so I started to just assign um just delegate different roles so I knew okay you could do the dances better so I'll have you make up the dances and um I just had to get over it. there there was a bit of fear for me um like really taking control like I guess or like taking um that like ownership or responsibility over people I felt like okay like they can look at me and see that I'm not the most qualified to be a leader. And I didn't really know why I was chosen to be the leader. Um, but then I had to just get over that and say, okay, like I'm not going to act as if these aren't weaknesses that I have. I'm just going to delegate them and do what I do well, which is the more logistical part of it. Like, you know, planning the performances and getting everybody practiced and ready for it. And like that kind of was the transition that I made. I love that. I love that the delegation aspect and you recognize, okay, there are different talents within these that these individuals hold. Let me um, utilize those. Um, and, and that's very valuable, a value, very valuable lesson in leadership. A lot of times we do, um, you know, we'll place people in positions, but we haven't taken time to pay attention to those key talents and strengths that they have and say, you know what, you have a strength in this. So I might not be gifted at, you know, developing these dances, developing this, but you are. So let me place you into this role and allowing those people to really utilize those talents. So that's awesome. So now let me ask a question. And again, this isn't on the list, but you highlighted something. And as you were talking, I made me think about it. When we are placed into leadership roles or someone's like, hey, I think you'll be great in this leadership role. What would it, what would what would it have done for you if when you were selected, they told you why they selected you? Because now that I think about it, it would have been nice to know, like, why did you choose me? Right. Because, again, I heard that there was a myth that if you were tall, you were automatically chosen to be a leader. So I was like, and I'm always I'm typically the tallest girl in the room most of the time. Right. Um, or amongst the tallest. Um, 
but it would have been nice to know. But do you think that being informed why you were chosen would have been important if it would have helped you in any way? Um, I think it would have because it kind of would have gave me, um, I guess, what my strengths were. Like, I feel like I had to figure that out on my own. Whereas if I was told, okay, like, I think you could be a good leader because you're, say, like a fisherman or something, then I would have been like, okay, now let me use this efficiency and this role versus me just being put here. And I'm just evaluating myself in a way, like comparing myself to people who I thought were naturally, you know, better leaders, more outgoing and stuff. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, I mean, I think that's a good note to, you know, footstomp that if you are choosing someone to lead, making sure that you take time to ask them why they were chosen. And then also the mentorship and the coaching that comes with it. And it doesn't sound that you had much of that and figuring it out along the way. Um, of course, in my environment, in a basic training bootcamp environment, there are a bit of a hands-off. Uh, and I think that's intentional, but um, having that support and getting, um, hey, this is why we chose you. Um, and I think it'll be important here, right? Um, that That's really important. So leaders, are you selecting individuals you see are like, you know what, I think they'll be a great leader and you're not telling them why. Um, make sure you do that and allowing those individuals just to have an idea of why you chose them or allow them to have that space to ask questions if they have any. So great, 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 great point. Thank you for answering that. Um, the next question, uh, what was the best leadership experience you had and what made that leader stand out? I mean, I mean, I've had some amazing leaders I've been able to experience and, and witness and I've, you know, I've had some opposites, which we'll get into. But um, if you think about the best leadership experience, I mean, you've witnessed someone just, man, just effectively lead, mentor you, support you. Um, you know, what made, what, I mean, what, what did it look like overall and what made that individual stand out or that experience stand out? Okay, um, so I worked as an administrative assistant um, while I was in school. And so it was more so um, when I first got the job, someone else was like leaving. And so the, uh, my boss was, she was uh, very like, um, I say conservative. So I'm not sure what her exact generation was, but like she was a considerable amount of generations ahead of me. Um, so maybe like, I don't know, maybe baby boomer, I think about that generation. So she has some kind of like rigid expectations of like kind of like dress and different things like that that I was supposed to um, do and so at first I'm like okay this is not going to be the position for me but then after um, just some time she just evaluated how I worked and she just would give me the responsibilities and like would let me do them by myself and then we would have check-ins and so it was just the way that I guess at the time I wasn't really seeing how she was adapting to me there like I looked I could see it after um, you know looking back on it but like it was just like she would give me at first, when I first started, she was very hands-on, um, a bit like micromanaging. And then as she's seeing, okay, these are her strengths. This is work she can do on her own. She just let me do it and like slowly pulled the reins off. And so that was very like, I don't know, it just stood out to me because it's like she was adapting along the way and I wasn't even noticing it, but it allowed me to, you know, basically do my role um, in a way that was, I guess, comfortable, but like, yes, so challenging me in a way. That's awesome. That's awesome. So she was adapting along. And again, I mean, of course, when you have someone new come in, there's like a level of, okay, um, you might be more hands-on. You know, I, I did a, a session on a virtual session um, that's on YouTube on the five stages of team development. And it talks about uh, you know, these different stages that teams go through and you can really correlate it to individuals, but there is a phase where a leader, it might be more hands-on because again, they're getting to know you, they're getting familiarized with your process. Um, they're also making sure that, okay, okay, um, okay, they're able to do that task. They're able to do that task and it should evolve to where they're more hands off because they've done, again, that coaching and development where now they can say, okay, you got it. Like, let's go. Um, so it's good to see that, that, that progression did occur on her end. So that's awesome. Now on the opposite end, what was the worst leadership experience you had? And what did you learn from that experience? And again, I've had a few of those um, and it definitely teaches you what not to do. And I think that has fueled, um, a lot of the reasons why I am very, I'm big on communication and feedback and challenging my team members, because again, I look at them as leaders, especially us being in this military structure or in any type of um, environment. I'm always looking at like the big picture and like, oh, let me challenge you in this way, because I know this is going to help you on this end. Um, so it's always for the be benefit of them. 
And uh, just learned so many lessons from those, you know, negative experiences that has really helped me in how I lead. So what was that for you? What did that look like? Um, so I think for me, it was an experience where because of my, um, I guess, personality type, um, I was kind of put into a box of what I could and could not do um, without the opportunity to actually showcase my talents or without even a conversation on what I was capable of doing. So it's like I started in this role um, and it was in an organization that I wanted to, you know, actually grow in and I didn't necessarily want to stay in that role because it was also like an administrative assistant role. Um, and so there was a vacancy and a role that I thought I would be a good fit for. And I feel like I had the experience for, I had the track record for, um, but there wasn't even a conversation about like my resume or like what experience I had. And so I'm trying to say like, okay, like I'm interested in this position. I'm being vocal about it. And then you're having the boss just look at you like, nah, like, you know, like, oh, you're an introvert or, you know, like I'm an introvert by choice, not necessarily by, um, like that's not all I can do. I feel like there's different facets to people, but there was just like this overarching, like, I don't, I'm not even going to give you the opportunity to do it, but in your looking, um, so basically there was just a trial and error where they were trying to find people to fill this vacancy and it just wasn't working out. And I just kept saying like, okay, I can do this role. And it was just kind of, um, just limiting in a way where it was not even giving me the opportunity to do it. And I think it taught me, I guess one about myself that like I needed to be more, um, vocal, I guess, um, and in a way. And also it kind of taught me that like, as a leader, maybe you need to like give people that opportunity and like, you know, let go of some of that control before you even actually know what people are capable of doing. Uh, I like that. You know, I'm big on like promoting within, um, but you're right. You know, you're right. I think it's, so important that, you know, we're taking time to really, you know, allowing people to, you know, have an opportunity and then recognizing that they might make a mistake or they might, you know, drop the ball here and there. And that's okay because we do it too. We, we're not perfect leaders. We're not important. I mean, important, excuse me. We're not perfect. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. We're, I mean, we're not important, like super, super important. I mean, we matter. Um, but uh, essentially like we make mistakes too. I know there's been plenty of times where I'm like, oh, why did I do that? I, I made a mistake. Oh, oops. You know, and recognizing that. So we need to allow um, our team members to have opportunities, recognizing that, you know, they might, uh, you know, miss a couple steps of where they're to support them. Again, it's just like the stages of team development. There are going to be aspects of it where we might be more hands-on, but over time, right, that confidence or that understanding starts to really land and now they're able to really effectively do it, but you have to first give them the opportunity and the chance. So I love that. And again, we have to recognize that in any leadership experience that we have, good or bad, um, or any experience we have in the workplace, there's always a lesson we can learn from it. So that's that self-reflection aspect. I mean, because really that's what we just did. We just did a self-reflection process um, that really allowed us to really like think introspectively of what lessons did we learn? Um, you know, when it comes to mind, like having this dialogue, again, is just so valuable in our growth and development as leaders. So thank you for answering those questions. Thank you so, so much. Uh, so let's get into it. Like, again, the goal of this is to really, and hopefully um, promote this aspect of leaders having conversations with, you know, individuals from different backgrounds, different generations. When we look at diversity, we understand the uh, priority of, you know, uh, race, sex, gender, especially um, the racial aspect, but also recognizing it from the um, generational aspect. And that's what we've been talking about offline. I was like, we have to have this conversation about um, the generational breakdown, ageism, ageism, really, because, you know, one of the things you mentioned prior to recording is, you know, sometimes you're in spaces and it's like, ah, no, shut it down. You're not old enough. You don't have enough experience. Keep it quiet. Right. Um, what you say don't, doesn't matter. Or you start to feel like it doesn't matter. And we've been there leaders. Just think about when you were younger and you, you had that statement or you had something you wanted to say and someone shut you down and how that made you feel. And again, we need to consider that everyone voices matter. Um, and when we really think about experience and maturity, does it really tie to age? Um, and I think that from what I've learned within the past few years is that experience and maturity, um, it's deeper than age. You have, you have individuals who are 
in their 20s that have graduated with their master's degree already and they can run circles around me, right? And I think that we need to start really, um, that's like, I I would say an old school mindset, but we need to really start looking at experience and age and what someone has to say of value and stop correlating it to this age thing, how many years you've been on this earth. So what has, what kind of experience have you had as a Gen Zer leading, navigating the world um, with, you know, with other generations, the generation of the now millennials, you know, baby boomers, you know, they say Gen X, Gen Y, and so on. How has it been for you navigating, um, seeing leaders and, um, you know, allowing, um, or excuse me, wanting your voice to be heard? Um, so for me, it's been very, I say my experience has been very difficult, um, especially when I think of just in school, um, because it's kind of like, there's so many, um, kind of like a stay in your place type of dynamic with a lot of the leaders that I've encountered. It's kind of like, I'm established in this field, you're new to it, so you can't, you can't possibly have anything of value to add to me. And so I think just going throughout life is kind of like, um, when I do because I'm not the type where if I have something to say, like I'm going to say, or I'm going to ask the questions that I feel necessary for me to learn. Um, so you just get put in this label in this box. It's like, okay, she's rude. Um, she doesn't respect authority. Uh, she doesn't have like respect. And then like, also just like, oh, I'm being super naive, thinking I know everything. And that's never the case. It's kind of just being misunderstood and labeled for like, just kind of opening um or just approaching spaces where like I didn't just genuinely want to learn and so um you just kind of get labeled because you're not old enough or you don't have as much experience as someone thinks you should have um at my age I guess yeah that's and that and that has to begin we've all been through it and I think sometimes we forget um of those moments where we had something to say and you're like no you know I just want to know I just want to learn and they're like "Uh uh-uh stay stay in your place because you're not old enough And um, what you're highlighting is so important because although we consider ourselves established in certain spaces, what is preventing us from hearing something new or really just switching off that aspect of the person as being difficult and they're really just challenging or bringing on a new thought? Everything that we have learned and things that have evolved has come from a new thought. I mean, just think about from how cars have been built to, you know, who knows, like how fast pizzas are baked. Someone at some point had to say, you know what, let's try something different. Let's try something new. That's where innovation lies. And that's why, again, you know, studies have shown that rooms that are more diverse, that innovation happens more often. You're going to hear more ideas. And again, we're thinking about diversity from all realms, different ages, sexes, religions, um, different cultures, Um, men, women, um, race, you know, um, sexual preference, orientation, all those different things. And we're missing a key opportunities. Leaders are missing a key opportunity when you, again, stifle the voices of um, individuals who truly have a question or they're challenging, um, you know, the thoughts, right? Challenging what, what, I won't even say challenging, but just has a true question about what they're being asked. Um, And I think that's important. So what has been your way of navigating around that? Or how has it made you feel? Like, do you feel like since that has happened, you found yourself just silencing or feeling like I need to be silenced more? Or has that driven your, um, your, your drive to be more vocal? Um, I think it's been a process of both. So I just, um, as you were speaking, you just made me think about, um, like, all the way back when I was in fourth grade, I got banned from asking, um, I think I would ask like what if or like why questions and so my teacher got upset with me constantly asking these questions because I was disrupting class and it was perceived as me being like um just me trying to be a know-it-all and be trying to outsmart the teacher and I just genuinely when I approach an environment I just want to learn as much as possible and see it from as many angles as possible and so I feel like that carried on to when I um went to college and it's like you're getting in a space where I just want to learn and um like, I guess just being told that, like, the way I approach learning, because it's not uh, traditional, is wrong, and that makes me a certain type of way, so it did for a while make me, like, okay, I'm not going to ask questions, I'm not going to learn according to, like, in a way that's authentic for me, and then um, I don't know really how it happened, but along the way, I just got tired of, like, I'm, like, I want to learn, and I'm here to learn, and so um, if I have to 
be perceived as um, rude or disrespectful, then that's how I'm going to be perceived. Um, and so I've done that and I've still been perceived as rude. And I just, I feel like I burned a lot of um, like relationships with professors and different things because I was vocal. Um, so in a way it kind of, I'm not uh, silenced, I don't think anymore, but I kind of feel like I don't have a place in uh, traditional or like in just regular industries. It kind of made me feel like I have to find a different way to like exist since I feel like uh, my voice is not respected here. Wow. Wow. Ah, my heart breaks. It breaks. Um, because again, it's, 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 you know, it's perceived as rude, but you're really just, you know, you really just have the questions. And again, it goes by one of the things that we do in this personal development community is we really talk about authenticity. Um, a lot of, uh, psychometric tools are utilized specifically the disc within, um, that space. So we have, we have taken time to really understand ourselves from the aspect of the D, the problem solver, or that pro or the way we problem solve, um, the I, um, the way we interact and understand, excuse me, express our emotions, the S, um, how we tend to pace ourselves environments and the see how we navigate policies, procedures, um, um, and processes and so on. So some people in, in that spectrum, they stand out more, right? So you might have the precisionist, the high C, shout out to the high C's out there. Um, and in that community, um, you can, they call them the air traffic control, but those individuals tend to be the ones that ask a lot of questions. They tend to challenge the norm because again, from a precisionist perspective, they're all about quality. Um, you know, they're thinking about, okay, what if this, well, the data says this, they're thinking about things just outside the box. That's really beneficial for any company and organization that is trying to put out a product or they're trying to put out a policy or whatever it is. They're the ones that's going to really allow you to really think outside the box and maybe allow you to consider things that you didn't think about to help you provide or put out the best product policy, whatever it is pro, um, out possible. Um, and, and again, if we're not thinking from that perspective, we're just like, oh, they're just there to ruffle the feathers. We're missing a great opportunity. Um, and again, you have the interactive person, right? The person that drives to interact and connect to that per to, to individuals that's in that room. You have the person that likes that pace in the environment, but they're also behind the scenes are also considering the people and they're really loyal people focused, and they're always thinking about the we. Um, so again, you have to consider all those individuals in the room. And if you have maybe that problem solver in the room, that's just like, nope, this is how it gets needs to get done. I don't care what you guys say. We have this deadline. They're missing so many great opportunities to learn more. So that's important. And then that other part you said about, you start to think about what is another way, <laughs> like there has to be another way, like the traditional system isn't working. There has another way. And this goes into like some of the articles I sent to you as far as, you know, when you're thinking about Gen Zers, um, again, they're the ones that are like really about like, okay, entrepreneurship, um, really about like, do I really have to get a nine to five? I can start my own business. They're really exploring other ways and new ways to do things um, because the traditional system from that perspective and from what I'm perceiving is it's broken. So am I perceiving what you're saying? Like, it's like, there's, there's, there's some kinks in this. And now I'm recognizing I'm not a fit in this traditional climate. I need to find another way to break up the system, but you know, you have to, in a way, tap into the system in order for you to, you know, break out because again, traditional schools might be beneficial because it's going to give you information and knowledge that's going to benefit you when you if you were to become an entrepreneur, you know that, hey, if I go into this corporate entity, it's going to help me get the experience and knowledge, maybe even um, the, some relationships that's going to benefit me. So I need to learn to navigate it. So it's like finding that balance of both um, while also recognizing the big picture. So, you know, am I processing that right? And I want you to expound upon that a little bit more um, and really tell those leaders out there that are listening what they need to do or what they what what some some things they can do to start to work on. OK, I need to um, not stifle these voices and create environments that are more flexible for the learning and the growth for a Gen Z or um, for someone that is, you know, challenging, but challenging the system in a healthy way. 
Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. I am so happy that you have tuned into this podcast because you're getting the tools and the strategies to help transform yourself, your organization, your institution, or to prepare you for leadership. But let's take it a bit further. As a organizational learning, development, and leadership consultant, I help train and develop leaders to improve their performance, resiliency, and diverse, with a capital D, talent management. So what are you waiting for? Set up a consultation with me now so we can talk about what you can do to create that long-term development plan to really ensure that your company, your organization, or even as you prepare for leadership is on target. If you go to my website, AishaThomas.org, go to the area where you can schedule a consultation and meet with me. And we will get you started on the path of being that transformational, trend-setting leader. You know, am I processing that right? And I want you to expound upon that a little bit more um, and really tell those leaders out there that are listening what they need to do or what they what what some some things they can do to start to work on. Okay, I need to um, not stifle these voices and create environments that are more flexible for the learning and the growth for a Gen Z or um, for someone that is you know, challenging, but challenging the system in a healthy way? Um, I think you are correct. So I think for me, um, I guess growing up, my approach was like, I seen the areas where I felt the system was broken. I thought that I was going to like go through that system and like, you know, glue it together and put it back together. Um, And then like being in those systems, I'm seeing like, okay, maybe I need to create a new system entirely. Um, And so I guess that's been my approach, trying to figure out how it is that I can have the same impact um, without being a part of the system because they clearly can't see um, the issues from my perspective. And so I think what I've just, what I've learned is that um, it just comes down to a lack of understanding. So if there were people um, or leaders who took time to understand that um, there are different personality types, there are different ways of processing the world. And just because there's a certain way that's normal or perceived as normal, there's a certain way that's more common, um, doesn't make it the only way for people to uh, behave or to process or experience life. And if there was some way, um, and that's what I feel like I've um, been trying to figure out how to create or how to get a part of that, some way where people could feel like you could learn about the different ways people process information um, so that you could see that just because it's uncommon to you doesn't make it uh, wrong or like rude or just because it's not common. I love it. I mean, it, it connects to, you know, seven C's, you know, like trying to show people that just because it's uncommon, I love that nugget, right? You know, write that down. If you heard that just because it's uncommon to you doesn't mean, you know, you shouldn't welcome it. Doesn't mean that it's out of, the, it's something wrong with it. Yes, it's uncommon. It's not what you're used to, but it's, you know, the, I'm sure at one point one thought that people will be on hoverboards, right? At some point, those that are, again, baby boomers who didn't see half of the technology that they saw today, that wasn't something common. But at some point, it was embraced. They recognized the value of emails. They recognized the value of, you know, utilizing a certain car because, you know, maybe the type of car they had, the first car they saw is different from what the, the different type of setups for cars are now. But they recognize the value. They utilize it now and they see how it, how it has improved life. So we have to make sure that we're doing the same. And what I appreciate about you is that you see the breakdown and you want to find ways to insert that in these spaces so it doesn't happen. But on the flip side, you see it happen with others where this can get frustrating. This can get into a time or into a um, moment for them where it does make them bitter, upset, angry, at the generation of the now. So have you seen that? Like, if you were to say like, you know, when I'm talking to my friends, when I'm talking to other fellow leaders within my, you know, a generation, this is what I'm hearing. What are you, what do you, what are you hearing from them as far as, you know, their perspective? And you might not hear from anybody. They might not be upset, but have you heard any upset voices or, um, you know, those that are just 
you know, a little upset at the fact that, you know, they, they just feel like, man, they, those leaders, those individuals, that generation just won't get it. Like I'm over it at this point. Um, I think the general consensus is that we are upset. Um, and I feel it's because, um, again, I think it goes back to that lack of understanding and the, um, the unwillingness to even try to understand. Um, and I think that, I guess, amongst uh, my peers who I, I feel the most, um, they fit into the categories the least, I guess is how you would say it. Um, maybe whether it be race or whatever um, like category there is, those who fit in the least, I feel like they're the more um, upset um, because it's kind of like they're ostracized. And so I think uh, just even thinking about like my personal experience, it gets to a place where you feel like, okay, um, because the generation of the now feels like this is the correct way to live. This is the correct way um, this is the common way to do it. Um, you kind of feel, you go through this phase where it's like, okay, um, is there something wrong with me for not living in a way or not thinking in a way or not behaving in a way that the generation of the now says that is the way to behave? And so there's that kind of like, um, there's a lot of, I don't know if I would say like depression or there's a lot of um, just uh, insecurity about being authentic because it's not common. Wow. Man, this is so good. Ah, oh, this is so good. Um, and, and again, it's important to know because that can be hard because if you if you have these thoughts, right, and you have these perspectives and it's not being heard, and you, you and it's like, man, I know I, you know, I need to navigate maybe the school space because it's going to benefit me in this way, or I need to navigate this space because it's going to benefit me in this way, but I don't want to conform how challenging that could be because you aren't functioning in authenticity. And like I mentioned, me and Ania are in a space where we are like authenticity is something that we're all about, like be authentic, go into spaces and be who you are, uniqueness, individuality, um, and functioning in that gift and purpose that, you know, specifically like you have been blessed with is what we hear, but then we go into the world. And again, we're in a community of hundreds of people, but then you go into a world where not everyone is having this conversation and you have to lead, manage, supervise, or you have to be led by individuals that are not having this conversation that's saying, no, you need to dress this way. You need to talk this way. You need to walk this way. You need to function this way. And that has to be difficult. Um, so it is great to have communities where you can like just be you, you know, shout out to be your community, but also there's great to, um, um, it's hard to leave those spaces and have to like show up and, and face the real world. Um, so I'm gonna pivot just a little bit because again, I want to like, a. a, a knockout biases, right? And again, I know you aren't like the spokesperson for all Gen Zers, just, just more perspective. And again, this is allowing leaders and individuals to get a, you know, hear a voice of someone and get some perspective for learning, understanding, and empathy. So one of the things that, you know, you hear a lot is how social media has such an influence on um, the younger generation. And it, 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 it also drives this, drives this idea that, um, things are popcorn, pretty much like, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur today. I'm going to get famous today. Or I'm going to, you know, if I put on this post now, I'm going to be um, famous now. Or if life doesn't look this way, because as we know, social media is a highlight reel. And I know right now it's, you know, you're like going through like that dark face with social media. Um, but, you know, it's like they're saying like, that's an idea that has affected, you know, how, you know, this generation shows up on a regular basis. What are your thoughts on that, um, of coming up in a, in a stage where you have access to so many things where maybe in the season I had to go to the library to read. Now you can just look it up. Now you can um, get access to the greatest minds in the world just from simply going into a live stream. Um, how does that play into um mental health and your psyche and even how you lead. Um, you know, because again, you hear these things and it's like, okay, is this really making it difficult or how does this really shape um, this generation and how they see the world? Um, I think how it, uh, it plays a role in terms of, um, in our mental health, I think, or I guess I can speak for myself in terms of like um, getting too consumed in it um, because there's so much information, there's so much going on, there's so many different experiences. It can get overwhelming at times where it's like, um, because it's like every time you, you're on for five minutes and there's uh, 
like just different worlds of information that come together and you can kind of feel like this is all that life is. Um, and so you get like really, I guess, caught up in it to a point where it can be detrimental to like your real life in a way where it's kind of like, um, I don't know, there's these like these big platforms that are just trying to keep you um, in the loop of in the topic. And so if you get caught up in the comments and stuff like that, you can kind of lose sight of um, what do you need to be doing in a way um, in real life? Because it's kind of like merging those two worlds in a way. Wow, the real life, and, like real life and like this world that has been created with algorithms and really a system that wants to draw you in and keep you glued um, to it because it benefits it financially, right? It benefits. So while I always say social media and the internet is a tool and is beneficial, it also can be something that can be harmful and finding that balance is important. And again, and I wanted to highlight worldview because the worldview of each generation has shaped how they see the world, how they engage in your worldview, how you see the world, what you're exposed to, what you learn does affect how you go out in the world and lead, how you engage in a team, how you you know support others, um, how you see diversity and so on. So we have to realize that you know it is a beautiful thing that you have a generation that has access to so much, but it's also important for us to, you know, and again, that goes um, separately to those who are parents and um, mentors and guardians to help, you know, those generations to help them navigate all the information overload and recognizing that this is a highlight reel. Just know most people are just going to highlight and show the good stuff, but they are still navigating real life or recognizing like this is Facetune, this is a filter, this is, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, so when you do go into a corporate space, into an organization, and you get, you know, quote, unquote, what they consider negative feedback, but it's just feedback that it's not, you know, um, you know, it's not something that that means that, oh, um, you can't get past it, but it is something that, okay, it's just develop and grow. But no, the average person isn't going to post, hey, I just got negative feedback or some people will, but not a lot of people are going to say, I just got negative feedback from my boss today. And, you know, I feel down right now. Most likely you're going to hear it once they've gotten to the other side of it and they've gotten the promotion, but you're not seeing the process and the growth that's happening in between. And I think it's also a responsibility for the generation of the now too. Um, and any other, um, you know, influencer on social media or whomever to start to highlight the journey. Um, and I heard that in a conversation. Um, I think I was listening to TD Jakes. Yes, TD Jakes. He said something powerful. Um, he talked about the reason why they're like generations where feel like they just think it's like, boom, I can get from here to here because there was a generation, right, that didn't talk about the hard stuff. They kept quiet. Right. They, they, I mean, clearly as kids, right. I knew that there were probably things that my parents had to navigate, like any family had to navigate. There are probably things you saw, but there might've been things that weren't. And again, some people haven't blessed to grow up in homes where um, communication was effective and conversations were had. But a lot of times they're like, he was like, there's the generations where we didn't talk about, you know, the hard stuff and, you know, the breakdowns and how I had to do this to get to here. And for me to even get to this platform that I'm on as TD Jakes, you know, I, I had to go through a lot. I didn't talk about that. So for the average, maybe someone of the generation of the future is looking, they're like, oh, okay. So it's from here to here. And he's like, nah, you know, behind this, I had to go through, I got to pay taxes. I got to do training. I got team development. I had someone I had to let go the other day. I have this and this and this. We're not showing that. So, you know, what, wh what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on, um, the generation of the now ensuring that they're having those conversations with the generation of the future to talk about the process of getting from point A to point Z. Um, because I don't know, I think that that is missing because there are so many different things that I have, cl it clicks now as an adult. That's like, oh, this is probably what you had to go through because I had to go through it. But this weren't things that were discussed with me that would have probably been so beneficial in my growth and development um, into a young woman, into a leader, into someone that um, has children and so on? Um, I think like everything that you said is very true um, because even like I feel like for right now, these conversations are not had um, and they're very necessary. And it's not only like conversations on, um, I guess, 
the negative aspects of it, but just conversations in general, um, whether it be like finances, um, career, different things, like they're just not talked about. And so you kind of just see people who are like um, in a different generation than you are, they're established in the role. And it's just kind of like, oh, you go to school, you get a job. And that's like the process, that's the formula that they teach us. And then we get to school and we're like, okay, um, what else did you do like, you know, in this environment? Because there's, you're not even explaining anything like um, tangible. It's just kind of this like one size all formula for how you're supposed to navigate life. And then we're experiencing life with like, it feels like there's no, um, guidance because everyone is so afraid in a way and I think um I don't know I think it's weird because I think our generation is perceived as the one who is kind of like living this highlight reel but I think it's more so the generation of the now because I think that um we're since we're experiencing it I feel like we're um social media is a part of our lives um an everyday part of our lives so a lot of us um are very more transparent about like the different things that we're facing Whereas when we see uh, the generation of the now on social media, they're kind of just like promotion this, like their lives are a highlight reel and we're not seeing the process where our lives are, social media is our life in a way. Oh, that's good. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, did you hear that? I feel like I should have been live streaming this online right now. Like this is so good. We have been the generation of the highlight reel. And you all are the generation of authenticity. And we need to 100% learn from you all about that. So as we are being so overly critical, right? And I say we, right? Because again, I've had my moment in the past when I had to recognize, you know, how I was connecting with the generation, um, you know, and it was, again, I, there were millennials as well, but I recognized, like, I was calling them kids, you know, I thought it was like, oh, you know, the kids are coming and thinking it was like funny and I didn't mean any harm behind it. But again, it was a microaggression. I shouldn't have been utilizing it. These are grown adults that work amongst next to me. They're my team members and I get to respect them as that. Um, but there were some things I had to learn and I had to recognize that I needed to um, be more effective in leading um in a, in, in a more diverse way, in a more um, customized way, because my team looked different. They spoke different. They saw the world differently. I, I went again, military style. I grew up in a generation or excuse me, I was around a generation where it was like, this is how you train and it has to be hardcore focused. Boom. You do as you told. And they questioned, right. And of course, this is the, this was the culture of the military. So it was regardless of age and so on. And they were like, transitioning into this um they were really questioning things and I'm like you don't question me like I told you what to do you do it and I struggle with it but recognizing that again the questioning benefits the masses they need clarity they want clarity they should get it um so that was beautifully said how we're the generation of the highlight reel and you said social media is a part of our lives so we're authentic oh man that's so good Ladies and gentlemen, I need you all to, this is why we need to have these conversations that that was just beautifully said. So please, oh, that was good. That was so good. I feel like we can do a whole course on that. But anyway, so let's do a quick pivot. That was just so good. So another thing that we, um, that was mentioned in one of the articles we read was how this is a generation that is really fueled by diversity. Um, again, you have, if you look at the different worldviews and the times and the seasons and what the world looked like for certain generations. There was a generation that went through a Jim Crow era. There was a generation where they went through against, you know, segregation and seeing, you know, separation of races. And um, they didn't see that much diversity. And now we're living in a world where this is like the diversity has exploded and it's a beautiful thing. And the world looks a lot different, right? Diversity. And again, in so many different ways, um, and there's this drive and they're saying, no, this Gen Zers, there are, there's a fuel for, in the generation of the future, there's a fuel for diversity in rooms and there are individuals who are not attracted, the generation of the future, they won't be attracted to companies, organizations that aren't diverse, brands that aren't diverse, that aren't, you know, really about this diversity life. So what is your, what is your views on that? Um, about like the importance of DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and, you know, 
why companies or CEOs and leaders should ensure that that is a focus point. Um, because again, that is another reason why someone could be less attracted to come support an institution or organization um, if there is a diversity lack. Um, so I think it's very important. Um, and I think just kind of, it's so important to us now because I think we grew up when, um, you know, like we're in class, whether it be history or stuff, and people are trying to make um, diversity seem like an issue of the past, where it's like, okay, Jim Crow, segregation, all of these things are so far removed from us, but we're in classrooms and we're in spaces where we're still the minority, um, whether it be in race, gender, or like just inclusion in general, we're still experiencing the lack of diversity in this current time, whereas everyone's trying to make it seem like an issue of the past. And so I think it's, um, and I think it's important as we're just like, uh, I just uh, just thinking about one of um, the articles out pointing out like our search for truth and our need um, for like authenticity is just kind of like uh, we just witness people being forced to be other than themselves. And I think it just kind of we grew up watching that kind of like whether it be our parents or um, the generation of the now kind of be a certain way in certain spaces, whether it be professional and then come home and be a different version of themselves. And it's kind of like we just want to be who we are. And I feel, we feel like the spaces that we enter, whether it be work or professional, like they should be inclusive of that because at the end of the day, we're all just human beings, regardless of how we um, identify what categories you want to put us in. We're just people. And it's interesting because again, I, I have these conversations all the time, but even as a West African, um, you know, the level of cate like categorizing that happens, um, you know, coming to the U.S., it's like, it, it, and it was more of the awareness of it um, really again recently as the more and more as I share people, I'm like, yes, from the outside, you know, you'll immediately see black woman, but really I'm African, right? That is, that, that's, that's my, I don't, you know, there are certain things that I won't connect to because I didn't grow up in black American culture um, or American culture. So there are things that I don't understand. I'm still learning. And, you know, some people will be like, oh, you don't remember when? And I'm like, I don't, cause <laughs> I'm not from here. Um, my children are first generation born, but I, you know, most of my, me, my sisters, we're all migrants. Um, but again, from the outside, the categorizing has created to, oh, you only fit in this one box. And it's just like, well, there's more than one way to be Black. There's more, more than one way to even be African because you have Africans um, that are from Europe, from the UK. So they see the world different. Um, you have, you know, Africans that are in different areas in Africa. You know, so it's just so many different countries and there's so many um, varieties of us Right. And I'm saying I'm not saying us as a, a black person or African, but of individuals that um, sometimes we get so caught up in the categories and we don't even realize that we have been unconsciously categorizing individuals for so long that it does have an effect on how we engage and connect with individuals in the workplace as leaders. Because, again, category, category, young inexperienced. Why do you think that, right? Um, this, you put people in pockets and now because of that, you are, you don't even realize you are um, throwing limitations on them and you haven't even got to learn to see the levels and tiers of magic they can probably provide to your company and organization. Um, and I think that's so missing um, in a lot of spaces. Um, so the more that we start to again expand that thought, the more that you'll see um, the benefit of diversity, right? Um, making sure that companies look like how the world looks, the benefits of inclusion. Are you allowing those voices to be heard and have a seat on the table? Now you have equity. Do you have diverse people in those decision-making roles? If a company is shifting, is it just one type of people, right? Individuals making those decisions, right? And that's even more important too. Um, so, I mean, just really, really, really so much good stuff that you highlighted. So as we pivot on the other side, so when we talk about tips, strategies, and tools, I'm always like, I don't want to walk away and not give, um, you know, those, the generation of the now tools to support them in really embracing the thoughts and the ideas of the generation of the future. So what would you leave? Like if you were to give some tips, tools, strategies, what are some things that you would say that the generation of the now should work on um, to help them or even break that cycle of um, not allowing those conversations to happen or just being open to what the generation of the future has to offer? Okay, um, I think... 
possibly the first thing is um, openness and just a willing uh, a willingness, uh, or I guess being willing to be open um, and to be honest about that and uh, to create spaces, whether it be, um, I guess, in the workplace or just wherever that environment is where there is openness. Um, also, I think it's important to kind of show the diversity that you see, because I think uh, now, you know, everyone says that they want to be diverse and um, include inclusive, but there's not necessarily that showcase for it. So like, that's the mission statement. But when we go to interviews or when we do this, like we still see the certain category that you want us to fit in. Um, and so if that's shown where like when we, you know, when you speak or like if you're putting a picture out of like, this is your brand um, and you claim to be diverse, like that should be the picture that we see. That should be some place in the action um, and not just in your behind the scenes kind of mission statement. Like we want to see it in real life so that we know that we can go in this space and it is actually practice and not just preach. Um, yeah, I think those points. That's so good. That's so good. Oh, that's so good, man. Blessings, like so good. So I want to go back to the question that I asked in the beginning, right? Because we've talked about so much. Um, so now that we've talked about all this, what do you think of a leader? What comes to mind now? Okay. Um, I guess when I think of a leader, um, just like including everything we talked about, a leader is someone who is open, um, someone who adapts, and someone who uh, has the best interests of the people at mind in their space. So um, whether it be different or whether they have to adjust, they're willing to do that because the people they are serving, um, whether it be their actual team or the customers and consumers, like they're able to put the people first and not necessarily their mindset or the way they were raised. I love it. I love it. You're so amazing. Oh, I mean, you're so amazing. I'm so serious. Like this touched my heart in so many ways um, because I think you have really taught, um, you taught, you taught us a lot. Um, and again, you know, they're maybe they're Gen Zers. They're going to learn things. They're going to be, um, you get individuals from all pockets and backgrounds that, that are going to learn from this, but it just really magic just happened. The things you said. So thank you so much for sharing that. So, um, you know, I, I like, I, I want you to do more of this, but again, that's, you know, you have to talk to God about that. But <laughs> um, so like, so what are you working on? What do you have coming up? And I'm, and I'm not saying it from the sense of, you know, business or whatever, but like, as far as 2022, um, what's your vision for yourself? Like, what is your goal? Um, you know, maybe with seven C's or what's your, what are you working on as far as, you know, your overall mission and goal, um, you know, just so the people can go out and support you or just look out for you because I just see so much magic in uh, what you're doing. Um, okay. So I guess the one thing that I'm uh, working on for 2022 is a, um, I guess it'll start as a book series, um, but just being intentional about creating something that is authentic. So um, for me as an African-American woman, not as a Black, you know, American woman, however you want to like label that, uh, just uh, writing, uh, I'm excuse me, I'm just a little flustered, but uh, uh, it's a called the Soul Food Series or something along that line. Um, and where it's just true to uh, my vernacular, my culture, my experiences, um, while also uh, teaching and just creating a an environment where that's uh, celebrated and so that someone who is not necessarily from my background can read it and uh, essentially see and get that understanding that they lack so just trying to be intentional about creating things that will shift someone's mindset if they're not um, familiar or yeah if that makes sense I don't know (laughs) no no you're fine you're fine I love it you know and again of course as you're developing a book and you're creating things um, there's a lot of like creative juices and ideas that you have in mind. So no, this is perfect. Um, and, and, you know, we want to make sure that we support that. So as I think builds and grows, we definitely, you know, definitely want to have you back so you can talk about that a little bit more. Cause I think that's, you know, that's just great work. Um, so like, as far as people connecting you, I mean, connecting with you, you know, is there a way maybe somebody wants to contact you and they're just like, listen, we need you on this panel, you know, and talk about this. Like, how can they reach you? Um, currently I'm in the process of, uh, I guess, revamping. So I'm a bit dark on social media, but uh, I do have an email. So that would uh, work. Uh, Seven C's, the number is seven. Uh, The word C's as in S-E-E-S dot one at gmail.com is my current email. 
Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And, and again, um, just appreciate your time. Appreciate you just, um, just teaching and reaching um, the hearts and minds of leaders from all over. I think this, again, this information is so beneficial. So, you know, I'm going to do my part to ensure that it reaches the masses because this information and these conversations are so powerful. Um, yes, you know, maybe <laughs> at a lunch break, a uh, leader might not be able to give this much in depth, but it's just a simple, tell me about yourself or, you know, what, what can we do better? It's just like having those conversations. One of my, uh, they call them commanders, but it's pretty much like that CEO of a company. He would have coffee uh, with the CEO every month and he would have at least three to four people there and he would just have conversations. How are you? What's working? What's not working and those conversations would just beautifully evolve so not only were we getting to connect with him we were also getting to connect with other team members from different backgrounds so it really turned into like a like a getting to know powwow and people that you see in passing hey turned into like you start to see them like you start you started to see their hearts their minds more behind the uniform more behind, you know, the, the title, you start to see them. And again, the more that we can start having these conversations, the more we will start to understand the value um, that each person holds and how that could benefit any space, any organization and institution in becoming better and being long lasting in the impact that they aim to make within the world. So again, blessings to you, Miss Chanel. Um, super excited to see what um, is coming and I'm definitely have some ideas um, for you, but man, appreciate you guys tuning in today. Please again, um, like here. I said like here. <laughs> Like, share, subscribe, make sure you leave a review, um, make sure you get blasts to everyone else because this conversation could be just eye-opening to so many people. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, make sure if you want to reach me, um, you can go and email me info at AishaThomas.org, go to my website, AishaThomas.org, follow me on social media platform at Miss Aisha Thomas on most platforms, or you can check out my video series on um, YouTube, just search for Aisha Thomas, my name, and you'll see me on there. So I um, appreciate you guys tuning in and I will see you guys next week. Bye.